أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على رسول كريم وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمره أمري وأهل الأخطة من لساني يفقه قولي The second point continues the reflection on love. The last time I began talking uh, about the fact that every human being is endowed with this endless capacity to love. And the question needs to be asked, if I, if I have this infinite capacity to love, endless Uh, potential to love, endless capacity to love, infinite love. But if I look around me, all the things that I love, all the people that I love are bound to s- separation. Everything is bound to leave and also I will leave. So if I have this infinite, immense love, eternal love in me, every human being is born with that capacity Where do I direct that love then? Where do I channel that love? Who is who is the one? Um, who is the one who does who is deserving of that endless love? If everything around me, all people that I love, are actually finite and are here for a short term, for a short period in my life, and I'm also in their life for a short period. So then that brings us to the question that that intense, unending love needs an object of love that is undying and eternal. Our heart is created to to love someone who is ever-present, who is always with us, who is our most intimate companion, who doesn't mind when we, when we call him uh, in the middle of the night. In fact, Allah tells us that he cries out, that he calls out, invites his servants, invites his creation to get up in the middle of the night and cry out to him, to lift our hands and pray to him, to ask from him, to supplicate to him. That There are all these beautiful holy narrations that tell us that Allah in a specific time of the night, is waiting for his servants to call out to him. How beautiful is that, that kind of love, that there is someone in our lives who is longing to have that connection with us. So Allah is calling us, inviting us to be in a relationship with him, to be in that loving relationship with him. And he's not bothered when we are calling him in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. In fact, he is so pleased. There's divine pleasure when the servants interrupt their sleep in the middle of the night, in the darkest hours when the world is at rest and say, Ya Allah, only for you I interrupted my sleep. I want to be with you at this intimate hour. So subhanAllah, Allah's love is one that is ever-present. It's undying. It's one that seeks out the servant and his creation. Allah invites us to be in connection with him. And the greatest connection is the salat. Salat means connection. 
the most uh, favorite act of Allah is the salat, is the ritual prayer, the daily prayer that Allah says is his most favorite, most beloved act, most favorite ritual that Allah desires are the obligatory actions. That's why they are fard on us. But that's the beauty of that love that Allah has given us. That heart is always restless until it rests in Allah. Until then, it is searching in, the, in, in this world, in this dunya, is lost, trying to put things into his heart and thinks, oh, that's the object of my love. And is always thirsty and searching and chasing the world and the people. And often faces what? Disappointment, hurt, harm, neglect, indifference. But who's to blame for that? The human being himself. Looking looking at my nature and understanding. Like Prophet Abraham, Prophet Ibrahim, السلام, peace be upon him. Who in his search and his quest for, for his Lord, for Allah, for his creator looks at the stars, the moon, and the sun. And then there's this beautiful exclamation or proclamation that he makes that Allah wants us to remember. And that's why we have it in the Quran. What does he say? He says, I don't love those that vanish. I don't love those that set. I don't love those that disappear. I don't love those that are mortal i don't love those those who are bound by separation i don't love those who will leave me now this is not to say that we should not cultivate relationships or healthy attachments the point is to understand to enter into relationships to enter into attachments with that healthy understanding that ultimately our object of love only our infinite eternal love needs to be directed towards Allah because the heart is not satisfied with, with objects of love that are disappearing and that hurts and creates wounds. So it is really fundamental to understand that this heart, that human heart, is created with this immense capacity to love only Allah. La ilaha illallah. There is no God. There is no object of love except Allah. Everything else are simply mirrors of the divine. Qualities that Allah shares with the creation. And then we see those qualities and we become drawn to them. You know, beauty, goodness, perfection, generosity, kindness, goodness, art fairness, justice, and then we think, oh, it's the person who owns that quality. <clears throat> Excuse me. In fact, all of all the things that we love in our lives are simply pale shadows of these divine qualities. Allah is the eternal source. He is our ultimate object of love. He is the one that deserves that eternal love that is in our heart. That's why the Quran tells us that the hearts only find peace in the remembrance of Allah. Until then, we are trying to chase the world and the dunya. 
we try to accumulate wealth, we try to um, we try to seek validation from others, we try to get attention from others, we try to receive approval from others. And if we don't receive that in the same manner, then we feel hurt, then we, we feel disappointed, and we feel disillusioned by the world. And this is at the crux, at, at the root cause of, I think, many uh, relationship struggles, that this ultimate longing for perfection in the partner, in the other person, or in your children, or in your husband, spouse, uh, your friends, that we give out that love, and if it's not reciprocated, returned to us, or answered in a way that is appropriate, then we feel hugely disappointed. But to understand that the person in front of me is simply a human being, just like me, can be neglectful, is flawed, is ignorant, is imperfect, is deficient, and uh, he, she is a human being. And by that very nature, they, can some, they cannot always be responding to that perfect love or that, that desire of the heart for perfect and eternal love. They themselves are deficient. They themselves are mortal. So it's, um, there's no effort in begging for attention and love uh, and validation or approval from recreation. That love needs to be directed either to the creator or the creation. We make that choice. And when we love the creator, then we can also love the creation because they are created by him. And then that makes us makes it also easier for us to deal to deal with the flaws and and the mistakes and the shortcomings of people in our lives because we see them for who they truly are, just like us human beings who are weak, who are impotent, who are um, can be neglectful, and that is all right. I'm not talking about abusive relationships. I'm talking about basic flaws we have in life where we somebody you know you 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 dress up in a nice way and and your husband doesn't recognize it i mean you beautified yourself and and then you feel oh what's the point i'm try put so much effort in my appearance yet i'm not seen i'm not valued i'm not appreciated or we prepare a five star meal dinner for our family our children our guests and it's not seen it's not appreciated, it's not acknowledged, we feel hurt, disappointed. So it means to live a life without that expectation from others, to free ourselves from expectations, to be liberated from those expectations will make us uh, actually free human beings because we are doing and loving things in the name of Allah. And because we do it in the name of Allah, we feel we will be always seen and valued and rewarded and acknowledged because we make it, we do it for Allah. We love in the name of Allah. We love in the name of Allah. We serve in the name of Allah. 
And so our, all our relationships then become rooted in that divine love. And that frees us, liberates us from disappointments and disillusionments. In the second point, uh, it states here, included in human nature is an intense love of immortality. So we all want to love immortality. We all love eternal life or eternity. We all long to live forever and love forever and enjoy all the beauties forever. Nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to, uh, and, and we should not desire to die. Because in Islam, Islam is a life-affirming religion. And Allah has destined us to live just like him to be eternal beings. Because he is the eternal, he desires those who love him also to be eternal. But he destined for us the eternal life. So we, we are born with this desire for immortality. We all want to live forever, but in a beautiful, beautiful way. Not uh, with pain and sickness and separation and ache and hardships and tears, but the truly eternal, immortal life means that this eternal life will be one that there where there is no pain, no sorrow. So we are all entering relationships with that intense love of immortality. We want things to last forever. We're sometimes heartbroken when things uh, break or when people disappear or when our loved ones die because we want them to be present all the time. Even when we get married, enter into a marriage, we want this relationship to last forever. We want to carry it into eternity. Nobody enters into a relationship saying, I want to be with you only for three months. <laughs> There's always an intense love of immortality for happily ever after. So this is our condition. And even because of his power of imagination, man fancies a sort of immortality in everything he loves. He cries out from the depth of his being whenever he thinks of or sees their passing. Right? We, we don't want things to pass or separate. Um, it hurts us. It's pain, it's, it pains us when we feel that our body the health of our bodies are le is leaving us. There is a signal of separation that the body is in decline. The signals that our youth and our beauty and our health are slowly departing. That we are aging, that we are aching, that we are frail. And that's, a, that's an uncomfortable feeling. Because when we were young, we thought we will always be that youthful and dynamic and energetic. So there is no sense of thinking that we are mortal, that we are in fact bound to decline or age. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is just, these are the changes in our lives, but yet our nature desires that immortality. I want to keep my youth forever. 
my, my dynamic healthy sense and self forever. But the reality is we have no control over that. There's no stability in that regard. And, and that frightens the human being, that uh, they have no control, no certainty, no stability. That's why uh, a lot of people become very anxious and have anxiety issues because it is hard to accept this, this truth that everything that we cherish and love and attached are bound to separate from us. Even our knowledge, Allah says in the Quran, we have given you some knowledge and then we'll take it. There comes maybe a moment in our lives where we are not, we don't even know who we are. We lose our sense of self, our sense of autonomy, our sense of personhood. We don't remember our loved ones. You see people who have dementia, Alzheimer. These are painful truths. And when we are looking around us at those fellow human beings, we should take those signals seriously. Everything is bound to leave, even my memory, my knowledge. That I come to a point in my life that I don't even remember who I am or even the, my most intimate spouse, their name. All my memory is gone. If that is the fate that I can face, then where do I direct that intense love of immortality? Where do I, how do I save all the things that I cherish? How do I make sure that there is a chance to survive all of this, to protect everything that I love? And that, that is then listening to our hearts, like Ibrahim al-Islam, who says, we should really internalize that beautiful Quranic, Ibrahimic, uh, Abrahamic exclamation, that proclamation that the heart cries out, as long as I have Allah, as long as I love everything in the name of Allah, everything will be returned back to me. Nothing is lost, nothing is wasted. He keeps my memories alive. He keeps my loved ones alive. He protects my loved ones. He returns my youth, my health, my memory, my personhood, my sense of self, my autonomy, my freedom. Yeah, the human heart cries out in depth. The only thing that we need to do is know who we are. Then we will know who Allah is. Man arafa nafsahu faqad arafa rabbahu. Whoever has known himself has known his Lord. You just have to read yourself carefully, which a few of us do, listening to that signal of the heart. All those feelings and emotions, who are ayat, who are signs, miracles of the divine. All our being is infused with Allah's presence, saying, you only can live with Allah's love, nothing else can save you. So that is the question that everybody needs to ask. Everything is bound to separate. Everything is destined to leave. Then how do I make sure that I save all my loved ones, all the things that I cherish?
and to continue all lamentations at separation are expressions of the weeping caused by love of immortality. If there were no Im imagined immortality, there would be no love. It might even be said that the intense desire for Im immortality arising from that passionate love of immortality and from the spontaneous general prayer for immortality is the reason for the existence of the eternal realm and everlasting paradise. The Prophet Sallallahu always wanted what? Baqa, eternity, immortality, eternal life, realizing that all what we have here is not enough. It's not sufficient. It does not satisfy the heart. So Allah answered that prophetic prayer and created the hereafter. The hereafter is a reflection, full reflection of Allah's name, the eternal. If Allah is eternal, there must be a place that eternity exists. So Allah answers to human nature, to the prayer of that human heart, and says, yes, I will, in my mercy and my generosity, in my rahmah, I will prepare that heavenly life for you, where we will meet all our loved ones and the people that we long to meet. And the, and the things and the times that we want to experience, we will, we will, we will see and live all of that. There's so much that the human heart desires. But that world here is only a little cup. And the little cup is not enough for that eternal love to fit in. The eternal one of glory accepted man's intense, unshakable, innate desire and his powerful, effective general prayer for he created an eternal realm for him, a transient being. Alhamdulillah. Allah created al-Jannah for the human being in his generosity and mercy. Allah doesn't have to do that. Allah does not owe us anything but because of his ultimate mercy and love and because of the fact that the ones who love him, of course, he desires them also to be existent and continue to live because those are the ones who admire him, who adore him, who worship him, who remember him, who glorify him. And right now we see it with 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 the Ahl al Gaza, with the people of Gaza. May Allah be pleased with them. We are witnessing the people of Jannah in front of our eyes. They show us how to walk to Jannah, and all they love and all that they are attached to their homes, their land, their children, their loved ones, their relatives. Everything taken away, and they still say, Alhamdulillah, Hasbunallah, Wanyaman Rakeel. Allah is sufficient for us. He's the best disposer of affairs. As long as I have Him, I have everything. Nothing is lost. My house, my land, my children, all these sacrifices, all my loves, Allah will return all of them back to me. Because Allah's promise is true. 
Allah's promise is certain. Only the life of the Prophet is evidence enough. But there are many, many more delays, many, many more evidences. But when we look at the people of our brothers and sisters, the people of Gaza, they show us we are witnessing how to be a person of Jannah. Their attitude and conduct. In this time and age of uncertainty and doubts and questioning and suspicion, they show us how to have ultimate trust in Allah, ultimate love, ultimate surrender, absolute devotion. I'm in awe of, of my fellow brothers and sisters. Allah allows us to witness the inhabitants of Jannah in this moment. Willing to sacrifice everything for Allah. Like Ibrahim al-Islam. Ready. Ready to sacrifice Allah once for his sake. And then, as a result, conquering the minds and hearts of people around the planet. Showing how to be human. How to be a mu'min. How to be someone who has certainty in the promise of Allah how to be in that loving relationship. Alhamdulillah, for us to be able to witness that, they show us how to be grateful. They show us how to be humble. They show us how to be trustful. They show us how to be patient. They show us how to be generous and strong and brave and resilient. It's a powerful moment of awakening. And if we miss out on, on, on this important moment, then I think. And there are people who look at this moment and many who come closer to Allah, who come closer to faith and certainty and iman, who really transform their lives, who start to who start to reconsider their priorities, and many who turn away from Allah, who have more doubts, more uncertainty, more questioning, who resent even Allah. Hasha, na'uzubillah, may Allah protect us. How can Allah allow for that suffering? How is it that uh, one event is allowed by Allah and you have so many different responses and reactions? That some find closeness and greater proximity to Allah and some are distancing themselves from Allah. What is it in human nature? Is it maybe that we see the world how we are inside? We interpret and reframe things how we are in our heart. So if there's doubt, if there's uncertainty, if there's suspicion, if there's mistrust or distrust in Allah, then we will interpret that, of course, that event in such regard. But for those who sincerely seek Allah's wisdom and light and guidance, they see hope and light and promise and the future and have a positive outlook and have trust and return back to Allah and say, Ya Allah, we will lose everything. How can we save it? And realizing that that love they have for this world was misdirected and they redirected to Allah. That eternal love 
can only be satisfied by Allah. He's the only one who is Al-Baqi, the eternal one, the everlasting one, the undying one. Everything dies, but Allah never dies. Everything leaves, but Allah never leaves. So is it at all possible that the munificent and compassionate creator would accept the insignificant wish of the tiny stomach and its supplication through the tongue of disposition for a temporary immortality by creating innumerable delicious foods and not accept the intense desire of all humankind which arises from an overpowering innate need and its universal, constant, rightful, just prayer for immortality offered through word and state, God forbid, a hundred thousand times. It is impossible that he would not accept it. Not to accept it would be in keeping with neither his wisdom, nor his justice, nor his mercy, nor his power. Alhamdulillah. So Allah, Allah answers to our desire for immortality and eternal life. Absolutely no, I mean, there's no question, no uncertainty. Because he answers even to the needs of a tiny stomach. When we are hungry, when we are hungry, when we are uh, thirsty for water, how does Allah answer? Just for that tiny stomach. Our hunger is an evidence for food, that there is some physical material satisfaction and then Allah creates endless blessings just to answer hunger, just to satisfy the tiny need, the needs of the stomach. And how does Allah answer? He answers with generosity and compassion. He creates all these endless, numerous blessings and provisions and nourishment and tastes and flavors and seasons and minerals and vitamins just to answer the needs of the body, the stomach. Just go into a store and see all these endless blessings. You can't count them. Allah says, You cannot finish counting the blessings of Allah. Just our stomach is nourished with endless blessings. And now imagine our desire for immortality for eternal life, how can Allah not answer that ultimate need, that intense desire of all human beings? Ya Allah, we don't want to die. We don't want to leave our loved ones. We don't want to be separate from our loved ones. We don't want to lose our health, our youth, our beauty, our energy, our strength. Who is going to answer all of that? Allah? If Allah answers to the tiny, uh, to the to the to the needs of the stomach, when we are hungry and thirsty, how does Allah answer and respond? In His munificence, in His generosity and compassion, huge, awesome blessings. Can't count them. Countless fruits, vegetables. Subhanallah, Allahu Akbar, and then. When we think our intense desire for immortality, for eternal life, of course Allah will answer that if he answers the insignificant 
base desires, he will surely answer the highest desire for eternal life and immortality. If he wouldn't do so, he would not be just, he would not be merciful, he would not be wise. Hasha, God forbid. If Allah is just, and we know he is just, if Allah is merciful and we witness that he is merciful, if Allah has wisdom and we know he has wisdom because the universe tells us so, we know there's order and balance and harmony and laws, natural laws and legal framework. The nature does not just react and act by coincidence. Everything is perfectly created, designed, established, planned, ordered. How can Allah then not establish supreme justice and be dismissive of the crimes of humanity? How can he not answer to the desires of all these wonderful, beautiful people of character and piety and devotion? That would be utterly cruel, unjust. And so the universe tells us, the book of the universe, the book of the creation, I ask everyone to study the book of creation carefully. Everything is a miracle from Allah, an ayah. Everything is created orderly, beautifully, with purpose, design, fashioned in the perfect manner. Every being is nourished, sustained, provided for. Every little honeybee, every little ant, insect, their circumstances, their way of sustenance, everything is pre provided and prepared. How can Allah not answer the desires of a human being for eternal life? SubhanAllah, that is impossible. That means that we have no real understanding of who Allah is. We don't know who Allah is if we question that. Allah doesn't want us to suffer. Allah wants and destines for us eternal happiness. He promised the prophets, the messengers of Allah, all of them, each of them, the same message since humanity. There is no God but God, and there will be an afterlife. That's the core message. All these messengers, all these saints and scholars and pious people experienced persecution, suffering, rejection, ridicule. For what? All the companions who broke with their families, who sacrificed their relationships, sacrificed their wealth, their lives. These are all evidences for the reality and the truth of the hereafter. Their lives are gigantic testimonies to eternal life and immortality. This is not, this is not to be taken lightly. This means we need to go back and study carefully who are the Sahabas, who are the companions, why did they believe in this man, why did they follow this message, why didn't he give in to the pressure, all of them, why didn't they accept money, wealth, title, rank, reputation, woman, why, why were they not able to be uh, bribed? These are the questions we need. That's why you need to 
We have all the answers in our tradition. All the answers are there. There is no doubt, no doubt, absolute certainty that the hereafter exists. And we study the lives of those human testaments who are a blessing from Allah. Carefully, we will see since their birth, they dedicated, committed themselves to this Quranic truth. And so when we think about immortality, Allah not only promised in the Quran and through the book of the universe, and we have evidences uh, in our heart, every human being has that intense desire for eternal life, but also we have the human evidence of prophets and messengers, the companions, the scholars, the pious, the saints. Then we have science, scientific evidences. So all of this points to that truth. Then we have the dream world. So many people report these uh, amazing dreams in my own life, right? My daughter, Maryam, she died and a few weeks later she said to her father, Al-Jannah, Al-Jannah, it's true. I'm here. Paradise is true. Jannah is true. Nothing is lost. So we need to, we need to have a firm understanding about who we are. Listen carefully to our heart like Ibrahim Islam, and then we will find the truth and follow the path of the messengers and read their lives carefully, study carefully who they are and what they were about, what they sacrificed, what, uh, what, what their sacrifices were for, what was their commitment, and then we will arrive at this truth that Allah's promise is true and all of these people he sent to us are truthful, reputable uh, people who have authenticity, integrity, people of principle, people of truth, people of honesty, right? So we have everything in our tradition. We don't need to go further. Every answer is in our tradition. Alhamdulillah. Since man is most desirous of immortality, all his perfections and pleasures are dependent upon it. And since immortality is particular to the Eternal One of glory, and since the Eternal One's names are enduring and immortal, and since the Eternal One's mirrors take on the hue of the Eternal One and reflect His decree and manifest a sort of immortality, for sure the matter most important for man, his most pressing duty, is to form a relationship with that Eternal One and to adhere to His names. For everything is expanded on the way of the eternal one receives a sort of immortality. That's everything that we direct to Allah, everything that we invest in Allah, everything that we love in the name of Allah, everything that we cherish in the name of Allah, everything that we use in the name and the way of Allah also becomes immortal. So if we are attached to our homes and houses and our wealth and our money, and our youth, and our health, and our beauty, and our children, if we are entering those things and relationships with an understanding that they all belong to Allah, and that I want to uh, honor those 
in in a way that is pleasing to Allah, then all of that also becomes eternal. That means to invest my wealth and property and money in causes, in holy causes, in ways that are pleasing to Allah and loving to Allah so I can attain to his divine love. If I love my children, I try to raise them in a way that Allah is pleased with them and me. If I love my house and home, I try to uh, host and, and welcome people of Jannah, people of remembrance, those who remember Allah in my home, those kind of gatherings. And the best thing about how to express love towards Allah is to follow the Prophet Sallallahu Peace and blessings be upon him. قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِ يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ Say, if you love Allah, follow me, so that Allah loves you. The reason why Allah wants us to follow the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu because he embodies in the best way the qualities that Allah loves the most. He shows us the way how to be beautifully human how to love in a human way, how to feel and look and walk, conduct ourselves in a way that makes us attain to that love. The second, O Eternal One, you alone are eternal, expresses this truth. In addition to healing man's innumerable spiritual wounds, it satisfies the intense wish for immortality inherent in his nature. الحمد لله سبحانك لا إلمنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم بآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين